the goodness of God. Father, we just bow before you this morning, or this evening rather. Lord, and no matter where we have been through life, the difficulties, the embarrassments, the sin, mistakes, the shame, you've always been there, Lord. Father, you have watched over that seed. You brought in a connection with this and then that one, Lord, to to bring it to this place that it's at today, Father. And so, Father, we're so thankful that you've been faithful. Faithful to your promise, faithful to your word, faithful to your children. And we just invite you to come tonight. God, if you would be the guest speaker, you would take these notes, Lord, these thoughts tonight that I've set aside and studied. And Lord, and you would just begin to project them. But Lord, not only project it, but may they hit their intended purpose, their intended mark tonight. May you just give life to the word, Father. May you anoint our hearts that we can receive, our ears to discern, Lord, the right spirit in which the word is coming forth. And Father, I pray that you would just anoint my lips to bring forth your word. Not my thoughts, not my humanity, not, Lord, our mistakes and our failures, Lord, our complexes or any of those things, Lord, that we as humans deal with. But, God, we're standing behind this sacred desk tonight to project Christ, to display Christ, to give evidence to the life that you have projected in this hour, Lord. Lord, you have a purpose. And Father, we want to declare that purpose tonight to your children. We ask that you just have your way now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to look here in Genesis 1 and verse 26. like to speak to you again tonight on the word we'll bring forth after his kind. This will be part five of that series. But I also want to give it a subtitle tonight, Evidence of the Original Life. So just trust that you come expecting tonight. We just seem to bring our greetings to you. We look here and the Bible tells us, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. God bless you. You can have your seats tonight. So we know from our previous studies that God had a purpose in the very beginning. And that purpose was to have a family. That purpose was to have a people that would be after his own kind or his own species, uh, people after God's likeness. And God was and God is determined to reproduce himself down through every age into the finality, which is us in this hour. And we find here in Psalms 1 and verse 1, we're just going to pick up a few scripture readings this evening. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doeth he meditate day and night. Notice where this man is going to be planted. The Bible says, and he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. Many rivers, but one water, one source. So we find that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf... Also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Let's look also in Isaiah 43 and verse 5. If you can take some of the highs out and put me some bass in, this will be great. The Bible says, Fear not, for I am with thee. 
I will bring thy seed, that word seed there is offspring, descendants, children. I will bring thy seed from the east and I will gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that is called, that word called there is chosen. And notice we've read from our previous studies that we are chosen in him. And he's telling us everyone that is chosen by my name, for I have created him for my glory and I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. So we want to look again now. We're looking tonight, evidence of the original life. And this word evidence means confirmation. It means verification, affirmation, documentation, declaration, manifestation, authentication, and vindication. <clears throat> so we're going to look at that as far as being applied to the original life. In Isaiah 43 and verse 21, it says, This people have I formed for myself, and they shall show forth my praise. So this now, the people that God chose, the people that God created, the people that, that God has determined they're going to bring forth. Notice, they're not going to bring forth their, their own effort. They're not going to bring forth their, their own thinking, but they're going to bring forth of my will, of my word, of my, my likeness, and everything that God has designed. God has declared that he's going to bring forth his life his manifestation through his sonship and he's going to bring it all the way down through seven church ages and we're going to be the final voice to the final age. He's going to have the culmination and we are the culmination. And what is God looking for? He's looking for evidence of that original life. Evidence that was in the first seed that he planted and we notice in the end time that same life that was projected there in that seed is the same life that has to manifest in the end time in this seed. See, he's saying they're going to manifest his attributes and his desires through their lives. They're going to bring praise to his name. Think about it. All your failures, all your mistakes through your life, you're going to bring God praise. When you overcome that test, when you overcome that trial, when you overcome that complex, you're not bringing uh, a victory to yourself, though you are, but yet you're bringing praise to the name of the Lord, the one who's called you, the one who's chosen you, the one who put his own life inside of you. What is that? It's evidence that you have the life of Christ. So let me just go on record to say tonight, you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. God has watched over your seed. He has put this one with this one, two unlikely sources, but brought them together and watched over that seed through civil wars, through world wars, through all kind of accidents and trouble and fire. And God has watched over that seed to bring it right down to evening light tabernacle this evening. God has watched over that seed. You're not a mistake that you're here. It's not a mistake that, that, that you're a believer of this message. It's not a mistake that you're standing in this hour for this present truth. You're not a mistake. You're the predestinated seeds of God. And what we're here to do in this hour is to show forth evidence of the original life. So God has called you by name. He's brought some of us from some of the most craziest places. And I'm not talking about different states. I'm talking about different places in life. Some of you are at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom, and yet God has established you because he planted a seed inside of that vessel. And remember, the prophet of God said, it's not the person that comes predestinated, it's the seed. 
So we find, so this message is more than just God sending the prophet. It's more than us just following a bunch of ideas of a man. Come on, church. But no, this message is the call. It's God calling for the evidence. God is calling for life to come out of that seed and to begin to manifest who he is. That yet I will have a son. I will have daughters of God. They will be in my likeness. They will be in my very image. They will manifest the very life that I have. So I will say tonight is a predestinated moment. I would say it's not by accident that you are here. You may just think, well, I'm just visiting Evening Light Tabernacle. No, you're not visiting, just visiting Evening Light Tabernacle. God is bringing everything together, watching over those seeds. And notice what he said in Isaiah 43 and verse 6. He says, I will say to the north, give up. Otherwise, you can't retain. You can't keep my children back. You can't keep those seeds dormant any longer. They're going to bring forth evidence of the original life. Satan, you have to take your hands off of God's promise. And he's going to say to the south, keep not back. Let me tell you, the time of sons and daughters of God of staying in the wings is over. It's time for sons to come forth. It's time for daughters to come forth. It's time for the elect to manifest Christ. We can't just sit back in the closet and just let whatever will be will be. It's time that we display the same signs, the same wonders, the same power, the same authority, the same life. And God is calling for it. Satan, take your hands off of my children. It's time for them to come forth and bring forth of the same life. See, Satan can't hold back God's seed. Though he's tried, though he's kept some of us in sin, though he's kept you covered up in maybe failures and mistakes. But when the season comes, it's going to be like a tree that's been planted. A tree that's been planted by the rivers of water. And they're going to do what? Bring forth his fruit in his season. So it's not our fruit. It's not our humanity. It's not our, our, our anything that we have to do with it. But it's God's fruit. And the prophet of God will take from this thought right here. From Psalms 1 and verse 1 to verse 3. And he will preach the restoration of the bride tree. You realize that he had never made mention of the bride tree up until 19 and, uh, 1962 when he preached the restoration of the bride tree. But he continued to reference this tree because this tree laid in this tree laid valuable, 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 valuable resources. And he preached this tree all the way up until 1965 when he preached the rapture message. He was again referencing this bride tree. And Satan has done everything that he can to cut this tree down, to whack this tree down, to keep this tree from producing. But I'm here to tell you, God has already sent a word out, church. He's already sent a promise out. You can't keep them back. I already told you, Satan, take your hands off of Those sons and daughters will come forth. Notice he was saying the restoration of the bride tree. He shall bring forth his fruit in his season. Now watch each his, he says, the personal pronoun there. It's his fruit, God's fruit in the season that the prophet is bringing it. Now, Brother Timothy preached the message a while back on the season of the bringer. 
So just hang tight because that's where we're headed. See, God's fruit in God's time by the prophet season, he shall bring forth his fruit in his season. If there isn't to his, he says, bring forth his, God's fruit. See, in the season that the messenger is ordained to come, he will bring forth those. Now, remember that the messenger that brings the fruit of God will bring it in God's season, in the season of the bringer. And some of you so stressed out about your love and so, so worried about your prodigals. But yet God is saying, I will bring forth my fruit in my season, in the season of the bringer. You can't make them a son. You can't make them serve God. But in the season of the bringer, he can. And I'm here to tell you, I'm declaring to you tonight, we are in the season. We are in the season of healing when not even cancer can stand before the believer's prayer. We're in the season of deliverance. We're in the season of tongues and interpretation, wisdom and discernment. We're in the season of the supernatural. We are in the season of the bringer church. And what is he bringing? He's bringing sons of God, daughters of God. He's bringing forth the original life. So we're, we're not living in a day when the seed was planted. But we're living in the day when the seed is to bring forth his fruit. Not your own human desires, your human efforts, but you're to bring forth his fruit. What is his fruit? These signs shall follow them that believe. Same signs, same wonders, same promise, same God, same power, same authority, same manifestation. If it was good enough for him, shouldn't it be good enough for us? If we're made in his likeness, made in his image, and he's wanting us to manifest that and declare that life, we should not be ashamed of it. People don't want you to talk about the miracles that God has done. Shame on us. God wants you to bring forth. God wants you to make that declaration. The evidence is a declaration. It's a manifestation. It's the vindication that the life is still here. And I'm here to tell the devil, there's life on planet earth. Come on, there's sons and daughters of God that has been born again of the Spirit and the seed has been quickened and the life is coming forth and they're producing the same signs, the same wonders, the same word with the same results. Oh, come on, church. Get behind it tonight. This is God's promise to you. You got every reason to rejoice and buy who God's made you, what God's called you to be. I know we go through troubles in life, but this ain't a time of trouble. This is a season of the bringer. So we're the bear forth fruit. Notice this ain't apples and oranges, but the bear forth, bring forth fruit. And the word fruit here is offspring. That's what God is looking for. He's looking for one thing, offspring. He's looking for his own. So he's bringing forth his sons and his daughters in his season. And God sent us a message. And God sent it in the season of a prophet what was that message sent for to quicken the seed it was it was sent to turn the hearts of the of the children back to the faith of the fathers that's the purpose of the prophet that's the purpose of Malachi 4, excuse me. And we look here in Revelation 10:7 in the days of the voice of the seventh angel we look here in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. When he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he has declared unto his servants, the prophets. That's probably a lot worse, isn't it? 
I'm not going to struggle tonight. So we find here in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the mystery of God should be finished. The mystery of what? Of life. Then we find also that, that, uh, that we find that it's Christ in you is the hope of glory. And we look here, it's the season or the days of the voice or the season of the voice. We're living in that day where the voice has already spoke. Sons and daughters are already coming to manifestation. And we look in Ephesians 1 and verse 3. The Bible would tell us, blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known, Unto us. And that phrase, or having made known, means to give to understand. So he's given to you to understand the mystery of his will or the hidden purpose of his desire, and it's according to his good pleasure or his choice that he has purposed or that he has set forth to bring. So here we find God has made known to us. Not everybody gets this revelation. Not every seed that lay in the earth is going to be quickened. Only the predestinated are to be quickened. But the Bible tells us, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And Brother Branham will use this and he would preach the restoration of the bride tree. And we find that something is in this tree that we must speak about. There's something in this tree. Why would God be so determined to restore this tree? See, this tree was to bring forth fruit. It was to bring forth fruit in God's season. And we find here, listen what the prophet of God says in the restoration of the bride tree. Could you please take out some of the highs? Because I'm still very tingy up here. Therefore, it was predestinated fruit in the root of this tree. Predestinated fruit in the root of this tree, and this tr- tree could not wither because it was holding predestinated fruit. That's the tree that Joel spoke about. See, it cannot die. The worms eat it down, but it could not die. In its root, it had predestinated truth. It's God's word, this tree. Otherwise, Satan has tried to destroy this tree from the very beginning. He's done everything he can to keep this bride tree from coming forth. He doesn't want her to come to her full potential. He doesn't want her to reach her full maturity. He doesn't want her to recognize her full power and authority that lays in her. He doesn't want this bride tree to bring forth bride fruit. Oh, but God has already spoken. I will restore. What is he restoring? The same life that was in the root of that tree is going to manifest in sons and daughters of God today. That's why this bride tree couldn't be destroyed. That's why we're here today believing God sent a prophet and with a glorious message is because the original life that was been trying to be attacked through seven church ages. Oh, the devil has tried to get it, but God's been more determined to, to bring forth sons and daughters in this hour. Notice, he sent four destroying insects. The locusts ate the fellowship. 
Man, we can't even have fellowship in the messes anymore. Canker worms ate the covering the bark or the religion. The caterpillars sucked the life out of it. Go to some churches, there's not an ounce of life in them. Sing a couple songs, invite you up, a couple more, invite you out. There's no life. And the palm worm, what's the palm worm do? Eats the fruit. But God said, I will restore. And we find that in the seventh church age, something begins to happen. Restoration begins to take place. And we find that now these predestinated seeds have been quickened by a predestinated message because it's the prophet season. And they begin to bring forth evidence of the original life. Not their own life, not William Branham's life, not a prophet's life, but they're bringing forth evidence of the original life. And we look here, he said, this tree, though, it's been persecuted. It's been made fun of since the very beginning of the Garden of Eden. It cannot die. It's predestinated. It's been clubbed. It's been beat and everything done to it. And what happened? It cannot die. He will not die. He can't because he's holding in him the predestinated word of God. That's what's laying within you. That's the importance of this bride tree. It has to come forth. It sees his fruit in his own season, the predestinated season. And Joe said, I will restore, saith the Lord. For the predestination of God lays in the roots of the tree. See, God could have started with another tree, but he didn't. He used the same tree. And he got down to the root Got down to the stump, but he didn't start over. No, he restored from that stump the very same life that was in the beginning is the very same life that's now in manifestation in sons and daughters of God. Brother Brown will tell us now in the restoration of the bride tree, he says, now he set in order on the day of Pentecost, the tree. So on the day of Pentecost, you find what they was, how they responded, how they acted was the evidence of the original life. Okay, I don't know about you, but when I read about Pentecost and I hear about how they acted when they came out, they come out stumbling, they come out staggering, they come out speaking in unknown languages and tongues and everything's like that, and they thought they were drunk. That was the evidence of the original life. And yet, Brother Bams would tell us now, he said the predestinated was established right there. Those predestinated seeds was established on the day of Pentecost and it bloomed out on the day of Pentecost. And he says, what is it doing? It's bringing forth sons and daughters of God, the same word through the same authority, through the same power, through the same manifestation, the things that he did, we are to do also. So what kind of fruit are we to bring? Just like he says in John 14, 12. He that believeth on me and the works that I do, shall you do also. Lay hands on the sick. We shouldn't be fearful of laying hands on the sick. I think our pastor did an excellent job speaking about that on Sunday. But don't be afraid. You should expect God to do the miraculous. Before you stretch your hand out, you say, oh, God, I believe this is the word. And I'm a son of God. And I got the authority through the scriptures to lay my hands on my brother, lay my hands on my sister. And the same life that you that, that projected from you when you walked the shores of Galilee is the very same life that's here in this building tonight. And it'll produce the same results with the same faith every time church notice I'm so glad brother Bam says now I'm so glad that I believe that God planted a Holy Ghost seed on the day of Pentecost 
that hybrided into a denomination. But after a while, it's going back to its original again, back to the real Holy Ghost, back to the gospel message, back to Acts 2 again, back to the former, where? Back to where it all began. So why? Because there's fruit in the root. There's life in the stump. God's not going to throw the stump away because there's life there. What am I telling you? You were in the stump. You were in the stump. Life was in the tree. And though Satan's tried everything he can to destroy your life, to destroy your seed, and destroy your grandparents and great-grandparents, God still watched over that because he says, I'm going to restore. I'm going to restore the predestinated fruit. And they're going to come up in the last age and they're going to manifest. They're going to bring forth evidence of my life, of that original life. So he would tell us now, the Holy Spirit transforms the seed word into its likeness. It's like a pear tree, it brings forth a pear. And an apple tree, it brings forth an apple. And he said, and the word will bring forth sons and daughters of God. That's what it's supposed to do. So if you claim to be a son and daughter of God, and yet you don't believe the word that the days of the miracles is past, or you believe that the days of the miracle in the past and it was only for Brother Branham, well, then you don't believe the word of God. Amen. Something is missing. The life is missing. So we find here in Romans 8 and verse 29, and I think I spoke on this just briefly before in the last service from the emphatic diaglot. He said, because, because whom he foreknew, he before marked out copies of the likeness of his son to himself. Otherwise, this word copy is a duplicate. It's a reproduction. It's a reprint. It's a replica. The thing that is made to be similar or identical to another. So we are a replica, a similarity. We are identical to God. How many of you feel like that every day you get up? Man, I feel identical to God today. Praise God. Whoa, I'm going to overcome. No. That's why you got to come back to the Word and look at what the Word says about it. This is what the word tells you, you who you are. Because Satan is trying to destroy that predestinated seed. He doesn't want the fruit to come forth from that seed. And we find here in the Bible that it would tell us, and you that were sometimes alienated, alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9. Know you not that the unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. And the Bible says, and such were some of you. Amen. But that was the first birth. But thank God, God doesn't leave us in the first birth condition. But God said, but you are washed. Come on, you know where we're going with this. You are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord by the Spirit of God. God knew that there was another life laying on the inside of it and though Satan tried to cover it up with adultery and idolatry and, and all this other stuff to keep you from reaching your potential, but you are washed. And that word washed there, you are loose today, church. You've been loosed by the power of God. Sons of God, come forth in the name of Jesus. Satan can't hold over you any longer. You got a promise. I will restore. I will bring forth fruit in my season. And it's the season of the bringer. It's the season for sons and daughters of God to manifest his life. And it's a perfect blood. 
that's loosed us. Therefore, it's a perfect loosing. But you find Satan, he, he couldn't dig up those seeds, the prophet would tell us, but he, he, he sprayed them. And he deformed the seed. And he said he sprayed them with unbelief and doubt. And science filled this place where the cavity is, and he went into the seed, and Satan filled that cavity with knowledge and science and civilization, and it's deformed the whole entire creation of God. And see, Satan tried to spray Jesus. He tried to spray him, but he fell. See, he had a repellent on him. You want to know what that repellent was? It was a repellent of predestination. See, they couldn't take him. They, they couldn't make him a Pharisee or a Sadducee. They couldn't make him belong to some organization. He was God's predestinated spoken word. See, Satan couldn't throw his unbelief on him. He had a repellent on him. And Brother Brown will say, God, spray us with the repellent is my, spray, my prayer. Well, I say, God, spray me today with so much going on in our society. So many people walking away. So much unbelief and doubt that's surrounding this message. God, spray me with that repellent of predestination. Lord, let me be filled with the Holy Ghost. The keeping power to keep me from giving in to the lies of the enemy. He said, they tried to get him to do everything. One night he was laying on the back of the ship. Seen him asleep, and he said, I'll destroy him, but he couldn't. He tried to tempt him into doing something wrong, but he couldn't. See, he tried to spray him with the repellent, but he had a repellent of predestination. See, they can't be deceived. No, the word said that he would be here, amen. There ain't no devil gonna bother him nor any other son of God. Did you hear that? No devil gonna bother him nor any other son of God. Why? Because you have been sprayed with the repellent of predestination. Satan can't get to that life because God's got a promise over it. I will bring forth. Oh, hallelujah. That's why you can't be deceived. Because the elect can't be deceived. Because it's not your life, it's his life. That's why you don't belong to a denomination. That's why you haven't walked away from this message when so many have. It's because you're the spoken word seed with the repellent of the Holy Ghost. That's who you are. So when you wake up in the morning, just let the devil know who you are. I am been sprayed, Satan, with the repellent of predestination. I got the Holy Ghost on the inside of me. You may make my life a living hell, but you can't get down to the seed. You can't get down to the bottom of it because right there, it's already been quickened. It's already been made alive, Satan. You can't do nothing but make my life happen. But I want you to know, you can't get the life on the inside. And I'm here to declare, I'm here to produce evidence that it ain't me, but it's him. If it was my desires, I'd be gone. But it ain't my desires. I'm not walking by my own efforts. I'm walking by faith. So many people have been sprayed with Satan's reasons, his lies, his unbelief, his doubts. People that used to sit among us. People that used to be in some of the meetings we used to attend. They claim that they're free. That they're no longer in bondage. I still ain't figured that one out. They're no longer in bondage. First thing that happens, the wife cuts her hair. Starts putting on makeup, wearing pants, drinking. They venture completely out to where they don't even, not only do they not believe God sent a prophet and they believe the message is wrong, they believe the Bible is wrong and they end up in complete apostasy. Atheists or agnostics. And they claim that they're following the Bible and Bible teachings, yet they're breaking every scripture to fit their own selfish desires. And the reason being is because they have not received the repellent a predestination. 
the repellent of the Holy Ghost. They have not become inoculated with the power of God to overcome Satan's poisonous spray of unbelief and doubt. But we have. But you young people have. That's why we can act the way we act. Don't get shy on that one. That's why we can act the way we act. We're going to go down that road here in just a minute. See, Brother Brown will tell us now, don't stumble at this word predestination. He goes, if you are a Christian now, a genuine predestinated seed, you was in God before. You always was in God. The germ of life, which is an attribute of God, which was a thought. He says, if, how many of you are here tonight? So in order for you to be here, you had to be in the loins of your father. And your great-grandfather. And great, 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 great. And we can keep on going down. You had to be somewhere before you came here, right? The only thing you were needing was a bedding ground to bring forth that life. And so we find the prophet of God say, if you wasn't in your father, then you wouldn't be here. And if you wasn't in God, if you believe the message of the Bible and the present message of the day, it's a vindication of it. The reason you are sitting here is because you were predestinated to sit here. Come on, somebody. I say glory to God. The reason that I'm here tonight and I haven't given up and I'm still pressing the battle is because I'm predestinated to be here. I'm predestinated to push the battle. I'm predestinated to stand when so many have given up and walked away. Oh, that's who I am. I'm a predestinated son and daughter of God. Projecting the evidence of the original life. Notice you're predestinated. He goes, you wouldn't have been here otherwise. You'd been out on the street, maybe drunks. Some of you, maybe out there running around with some man's wife or some wife's husband and you know, so forth. But you are predestinated to be here. You can't help it. You have a father. He is God and you are his seed. Oh, praise the Lord, church. Man, look over your genealogy. Look over your family tree. That family tree is pretty ugly. Got a lot of sin in that tree. Got a lot of mishaps in that tree. But if you look over in his tree, you look over in that original tree, you look over there and you say, oh, if that, ever, if that tree ever puts forth another branch. Oh, when it puts forth, it ain't going to be denominational. It ain't going to be drunk. It ain't going to be a druggie. It ain't going to be a prostitute. It's going to be like that original. And it's going to protect the original life. And it's going to bring forth the original fruit. And it's going to lay hands on the sick. And they're going to recover. It's going to believe in prayer lines and altar calls and young people coming to God. I'm going to tell you, we're in a day, church, of the branch spreading forth more fruit. Notice what he says predestinated as he was makes the word seed flesh. And all sons and daughters of God are predestinated. Man, I'm looking at a bunch of predestinated sons of God. And though you woke up, you didn't feel predestinated. Oh, you woke up and all you saw was heartache and shame and difficulty, but oh, you're predestinated. Oh, hallelujah. Notice God foresaw and predestinated a world of sons and daughters. He predestinated them to be there. But we find that disbelieving God's word caused hybriding. But God has put it right back again that you don't have to hybrid anymore. You can come right back to the original word and be a son of God just like you were supposed to be at the beginning. Oh, Hallelujah. You think about family strains, and I've mentioned this before. Family strains are family attributes. And there's attributes in our kids 
that are yours. Like my daughter Rebecca. You know I was going there. She doesn't look like me. She's beautiful. I'm not. She's blonde-headed. I'm not. She can sing. I can't. But I'll tell you what she can do. She can bring forth the same fire and passion that I can. Because see, it's an attribute. Though she didn't want it, she didn't ask for it, it was bred in her. And if that can be in the natural, what about our Heavenly Father? The same attributes of love, of joy, of peace, of gentleness, and all that. And you know what? It's okay to have a little bit of fire too because God can direct that same fire and that same passion and that same temper. He can channel it so you can be a Satan destroyer. Don't worry about, oh, I'm so high-tempered. Oh, what am I going to do with this? I'm never going to make it. No, you just give that temper to God and let God make out of it what he will. God can take that temper and destroy Satan's kingdom and set you as a testimony to show you that that life surrendered to God can bring forth praise to his name. Because why? It's not your life. It's his life that he's wanting to project. He says in John 15 and verse 4, I say he... This is in red letter in my Bible, so it's he. Abide in me and I and you as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And the message is perseverance. He said, I seen the other day a tree with nine different citrus fruits. They had a pomegranate, they had a grapefruit, a lemon, and orange, but the original tree was an orange, and he said, Mr. Sherrod, he said, well, how is this, being that it's an orange tree, he said, you just split the tree, and you graft it in there. He says, well, then if it brings forth, will it bring forth an orange? He said, no, it'll bring forth after his kind, or after its kind. He says, there you are, brother. When I tell you, when churches are grafted into Christ, such as they try supposed to be, just slid in there by name, calling themselves the churches of Christ. And when they do, what do they bring? Denominational fruits. But if the branch ever brings forth another limb, it'll be like the first one was. And then another message, the anointed ones at the end time, he says, you can graft it in there, you see. Every grapefruit, lemon, tangelo, tangerine, whatever the citrus fruits they are, every one of them can live in that tree, but they're bearing false witness of the tree. Living by the tree, they're living and thriving on the genuine life of the tree, but they're bringing, or they're they're manifesting a false witness of the tree because it ain't the original life that's living out from them. So denominational fruits, denominational seeds cannot bring forth spoken word offspring. Denominational seeds will bring forth denominational children that will produce denominational fruit. They will bring forth hybrid children who can't breed themselves back to the word. Oh, they can see it. God was a healer yesterday, but that's not who he is today. See, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God. They will bring forth, notice now, this denominational fruit. They're going to bring forth great teachers who will rely on their education and their human intellect and their human abilities. And what have they done? They substituted classes for the Holy Ghost experience. We have churches now, even in the message, that's having classes to teach our young boys how to overcome pornography. We don't need a class. 
Come on, church. We don't need a class on how to overcome pornography. What we need to do is preach the power of the Holy Ghost back in the church. Get behind the pulpit. Preach God alive, not dead, not a God of yesterday, but a God of right now with same signs, same ones, the same keeping power. I'm here's a testimony right here that God can give you the overcoming power, young men and young women, to overcome pornography and lust devils and drinking or any other thing. We can't just go around and substitute the power of God for some class we don't need a class we got the original life let's put the original life back behind the pulpit and let him preach if they can't handle the word they ain't of the word but we find notice they have intellectual giants they preach or they teach psychology now you got to cope with your issues they don't have prayer lines you just got to go figure it out you got kids out of trouble, they give you a Dr. Dobson tape. Figure it out. Listen to him. He'll help you with your kids. Dr. Dobson never entered my house. He never stepped foot in my house. I ain't giving Dr. Dobson credit for my kids. Nor should you give Dr. Dobson or any Dave Rams or anybody else credit for something that God's already done for you. Oh, but what we've done, we've taken great, great intellectual giants and they begin to explain the supernatural way. They explain to you why we don't need tongues. Why we don't need, why God doesn't heal like he used to. The days of miracles is past. Or it was only for Brother Branham. Or you can receive the Holy Ghost without a sensation. You can receive the Holy Ghost without sensation. I guarantee you. You know what? You may not know when you got it. But if you ever get it, you're going you're gonna to know that you got it. How many of you mothers are, are, have been, a, are you a mother? Hey, how about that? You done brought forth a child, right? You may have not known the exact date that you got pregnant. But in nine months, there was no denying that you were bringing forth life. And what am I telling you? The same way with the Holy Ghost. You may have not known what service. You may have not known what day. You may have not known what hour. But eventually, you begin to realize that there was something on the inside of it. Because you begin to respond to the Word. You begin to move by the Word. And the Word begins to move inside of you. And the Word begins to come out. Hallelujah. The Word begins to project itself. That there's a life on the inside. No longer am I walking by myself. But I'm walking with Christ. And He's walking with me. And He's projecting forth His life they want to explain why you can be healed just in your seat I believe that you can be healed just in your seat there's no sense of having a prayer line that's just a Jewish tradition your prophet did it and if it was good enough for a prophet it's good enough for me because I'm staying with the prophet message I had a brother tell me, I preached some meetings a while back. I had a brother tell me, I had an altar called young people all over the altar. For hours they kept coming. And they kept moving. And the church said, we have never had an altar call like that in this entire time we've been in church. And I had a predominant pastor come up to me at the end of it. He said, the miracle of it is, is that they acknowledged. That they just acknowledged by lifting up their hand. We have made the word of God just so watered down that we can just not show forth. We can just do it in our, and I believe we can do it in our seat, but I also believe you've got to respond to it. And if there's a real life on the inside of you, you're not worried about your neighbor. You're not worried about who's looking at you. You're not worried. You're just worried about one thing. I got to get there. I got to get in his presence. I got to get this seed on the inside quickened by the power of the Holy Ghost. But you find great intellectual giants. They begin to explain the word away from you. 
He goes, when you explain away the supernatural out of the Bible, you're explaining away the very God that you worship. He's a supernatural God. So denominational seeds bring forth denominational branches which produce denominational fruit. And they rely on traditions, creeds, their interpretation or their church's interpretation of the word, their psychology, and they can never breed themselves back to the original life. See, but God didn't plant denominational seeds. God planted spoken word seeds. And that's why you're here tonight. Because you're not some denominational seed. You're not some Baptist walking in, even like Tabernacle, trying to project your Baptist ideas or your Pentecostal ideas or your Episcopalian ideas or whatever ideas, your own human ideas. No, but you're here to project the life of Christ. Because you are of that original seed. Brother Bam says now, he said the denominational seeds of the churches had been planted. The Pentecostal seeds had been planted into the Pentecostal organizations by great men like Oral Roberts and Tommy Hicks and Tommy Arsman, great men. And I believe that the word of God has been planted unadulterated away from any of those organizations. God has planted a word. And the man that's been planted or the tree, he's going to be, the man's going to be planted like a tree that's been planted by the rivers of water. You don't plant a tree when it's full grown. You plant it when it's in seed form. But you got to put it in the right atmosphere. You got to put it where the waters are flowing over it. Oh, when you do, he's going to bring forth his fruit in his season. It's going to manifest. Can we look at that just for a little bit as we start trying to wind this down? Notice he would tell us now, and it wasn't so from the beginning. He goes, you hear people say, I'm Presbyterian, and I'm Methodist, and I'm Baptist, and I'm this, and I'm that. And you got it around our ranks. I'm seven thunders. And I'm Perusia. And I'm two soul, no soul, three soul, however many souls. I'm look, I got one. Man, lucky you, you got all three of them. But you find we got all this. I'm this, I'm that, I'm all this. He said, that's the way that, he said, now in the beginning, that's the way God set his church up on the day of Pentecost. That's the way it is to forever remain. If you cross anything else up in it, in the denominations and all these other things and sprinkling and all the forms and things in your hybrid, you may get a better looking church, but it ain't got no life. Oh, it may be a beautiful church. It may be packing 500 people. They may be preaching the message of the hour using the very same quotes, but the church is dead. And the people are dead. Because why? Because there is no life being preached in the church. But if you have met God on the backside of that desert and you know that 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 you met him, you didn't meet a denominational idea, you didn't meet a man's idea, but you met him and that seed on the inside of you become quickened, you can't help but to bring forth the evidence of his life. But Graham says that we need to breed in the Holy Ghost religion. Holy Ghost power. Where is God? God is in His church. God is in His word. God is in His people. God is in His universe. He's everywhere, but we can't hybrid Him into something because He won't cross up with nothing. He's God and God alone. You can't breed Him into five or six different things, four or five different gods. He's God and God alone, and He won't hybrid it. He's God. And God said, let me or let us make man in our image. And He sends the Spirit to do what? To quicken the word to life. 
So he sends the spirit and he says in the spoken words, original seed, the seed plant must have seed water before it can grow. It must have water to fall before the seed that's been planted can grow. So don't be afraid of the spirit falling. Now, that's not so much for you guys here, but that's for those on the stream. Don't be afraid of the seed falling. It's just seed water that's been sent to quicken the seed plant. See, the Spirit is sent to bring those predestinated seeds to life. If you're going to be afraid of anything, be afraid when there is no Spirit. Be afraid where there is no anointing. Be afraid where there is no life. Be afraid where they don't believe in the supernatural and they don't got cold, formal, and indifferent toward the message of the hour. Though yet they're under the auspice, we believe God sent a prophet. But we've gotten so revelated, we got the revealed word now that we don't need all that nonsense. Denominations will hatch denominations, but the word will bring forth the word. The word will bring forth the word. We find in Joel 2 as we start wrapping up. He says, be glad, O you children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. This word, former rain, is the teaching rain. And Brother Bam says, the nominational teaching reign has gone forth a million more in 44. Baptist so-and-so members and Oral Roberts and them brothers with the Pentecostal move, economic great Pentecostal move, and they moved up into the millions and the seed has went forth. And the word, he said, for the, for the minority, the little group, but he says the menorah reign or the teaching reign, the teaching reign went forth. Billy Graham has struck the world. The Pentecostals has struck the world and the word has struck the world. Notice, all these seeds have been planted at the same time. The teaching rain has gone forth, and we've had a great teaching ministry under Brother Branham. It's absolutely placed us where we needed to be. It's put you and positioned you as a son of God. But what, he said, now, now she is waiting for the latter rain. And what is that? He says, that's when she produces her fruits. See, then the kind of seed that you planted in your field will be the same kind of crop that you'll reap. If the denominations want more members, that's what they're going to get. Pentecostals want more Pentecostals, that's what they're going to get. But the word is going to produce sons and daughters of God, and that's coming too. So we're living in the day, church, of the latter rain. That's why some of you act the way you act. You can't help it. When the latter rain falls on that seed and you begin to act beside yourself, doing things you didn't think you would do. Listen, we're living in the day of the latter rain. We're living in a day of the outpouring of quickening power where the seed that had been laid dormant for so many ages has now come to rapturing faith under a rapturing message and it's quickened that seed and Satan can't keep that bride tree down any longer. Why? Because she's manifesting the very life of Christ. See, it's going to bloom out in the evening time. Oh, my. And I'll say this for those that are on the stream and those that may get the archive. If Brother Branham did not fulfill Malachi 4, Luke 17, 30, Revelations 10, 7, then where's the man at? You tell me where is he at? You walked away from a vindicated message and you said that, oh, he's a false prophet. 
But you tell me if he didn't fulfill Malachi 4, Luke 17, 30, Revelation 10, then where is the one that has to fulfill these scriptures? Because our hearts have to be turned back. The Son of Man has to be revealed. And the mystery of God has to be made known. Oh, church, don't let them scare you anymore. They just not seen. But the reason why you can believe it, the reason why you do believe it, is because your heart has been turned back and because the Son of Man has been revealed to you and the mystery of life, of your life, has been made manifest. And you're, what are you doing? You're producing, you're manifesting, you're the vindication that his life is once again on earth today and is projecting forth in sons and daughters of God. See, this wasn't Brother Branham's message, but it was God's message to the elect. It was God's voice to quicken the seed. But so many have put their attention on a man and they missed a voice. They put their attention on a man and they missed a supernatural power. They missed the latter rain. They missed the quickening of the seed. And today, we don't need prayer lines. Today, we don't need altar calls. Today, we don't need all that nonsense speaking in tongues, blabbering. Notice now. He says, our traditions, our church creeds will never satisfy a heart that's being called by God. You cannot make him say the Apostles' Creed or be sprinkled or something like that and be satisfied with it. When the hunger of God is in his soul, he will go back to Pentecost to the beginning to find the real Holy Ghost that sets his heart aflame. So no Pentecostal. So listen, let me go back real quick. Every church that rises up out of the vine will be a Pentecostal church. And people don't want it. They don't want that I mean, every church that rises out of that Pentecostal vine is going to be a Pentecostal church. And now you say you don't want it. You don't want the supernatural. You don't want the signs. You don't want the same thing they had there. What are you doing? You're rejecting the life. You're saying you don't want it, but yet when he established his church, when he set forth that bride tree, he did it on the day of Pentecost. Because what was he doing? He was placing his life in his body. And that life is going to manifest down through every age. So we find here, the very, if every church that rises out of that vine will be a Pentecostal church with the same signs, notice what he says, the same wonders that the first vine produced or the first branch produced, it'll be like Pentecost. Every church that rises out of the vine will be a Pentecostal church. Yeah, that's your prophet. Deal with it. When you deny the power of God, you're denying this word. You deny signs and wonders, you're denying the word. You're you're denying the life of God. So let's just look. Let's look just real quick. I'm going to pass over some things because I want to just drive it home right here. We find here the vine is always energizes the branch and the branch bears the fruit. If the vine cannot bear fruit, it's depending on the branches and the branch cannot bear fruit until it's energized by the vine. And if a Christian church is divine or the branch that's in Christ, they'll do the works of Christ and bear the life of Christ. But their fruits, you shall know them. That's why you scream. 
That's why you respond to the word. That's why you say amen. That's why some of you catch the anointing and you run around or some of you dance. You get excited. You get emotional. You tear and you cry. It's because a life in the vine is being projected through your life. But notice, they don't want that. Can I give you some description of the modern church? Listen to what Brother Bram says in the visible union of the bride of Christ. I mean, a true picture of the modern church today, neither does the modern church want any of these here screaming, shouting, tongue speaking, Acts 2.38, youngers around her. She don't want any of them whooping. I like that whoop, there it is. Whoop. She don't want none of that whooping, carrying on, screaming, shouting, oh, hollering, amen, hallelujah. Such a child would immediately put her out of her denomination. They had one like that in one of our churches. They had to throw her out right quick. Notice the evidence. This was the modern church didn't want this evidence in their church. So if they didn't want this, what is it? It must be the evidence of the original life. What is the original life producing? Signs and wonders, screaming, whooping and hollering, amen, glory to God. They believe in laying on hands. They believe in healing the sick. They believe in the power of the supernatural. And yet the modern church don't want it. They don't want that original life. Notice he says now the modern church is pregnant with something because she's bringing forth members all the time. But she don't want none of them screaming, hollering, blabbering, Acts 2.38, miserable creatures that she thinks they are. It would certainly embarrass her. Boy, there's a lot of embarrassed pastors today. A lot of embarrassed churches around this message. They don't want what we got. Let me just, it ain't what we got. It's what the word is. They don't want it. Let me just say, don't ever harden your heart and get so critical that you don't want this. He says, it was certainly embarrassing. It would ruin her and her educated, ethical, scientific, society church that she belonged to there. They would throw her out at the next council. She can't have it. She don't want to be pregnated with the word because that's the only kind that the word can bring forth. Oh, did you hear what he said? The only kind that the word in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word was made flesh. That's why you scream. That's why you shout. That's why you dance. That's why you respond to the word. Because you are the word that's been made flesh in this hour. Oh, but now that so-called bride pregnant with all kind of Tommy Rot disgrace. And what is she doing? Oh, she's bringing forth members all the time. But she ain't bringing forth the word. See, born of the Spirit of God, it has to bring forth the Spirit of God in it. No intellectual church going creed, going bobbed hair, painted faith. There's no such a thing as that in all of it. You don't find that in the Word of God. You find, notice what you find in the Word of God, in the original life. You find an old-fashioned, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled child, born of the Spirit of God, screaming. Oh, did y'all hear that? Screaming, hollering, shouting, praising God. He didn't say nothing about being cold, 
dead, formal, snoring in church, falling asleep, can't stay awake. He said, no, what you find in that old-fashioned old church is an old-fashioned Holy Ghost filled child born of the Spirit of God screaming when they hear the word that's good, hollering when they hear the word that's good, shouting when they hear the good word, praising God because he's there and he's projecting their life. He says, she don't want it. No, indeedy. What does she do then? She brings all forth a pair of painted face, short wearing Jezebel society, illegitimate cats that they called it. Oh, he goes, I think that's what it is. Look like a cat going on there. But the word can only bring forth the word. He says, her sons are born out of her. They rely on education, school, and some Bible school, so-called, some great college that's supposed to be a long time ago, hatching them out, some sort of Inkerbaker-style denominational seekers, religious Cain, like just illegitimate to the word as Cain was, just as illegitimate. God never did recognize denomination. He's always been against it. His word is against it. But if Christ is in the church, musicians can come. If Christ is in the church, it will bear Christ-like spirit. Christ-like works. Christ-like faith. If it's properly connected, a good, healthy vine, not cut off, hanging down, withering away, but real good, healthy branch connected into the vine will bring forth the fruits of the spirit. The works that I do shall you do also. See, the true church, the true church of Jesus Christ, the bride is like an impure gold. Her righteousness is his righteousness. Her attributes are his own glorious attributes. Her identity is found in him. What he is, she is to reflect. What he has, she is to manifest. There is no fault in her. She is all glorious within and without. From the beginning to the ending, she is the work of her Lord and all his works are perfect. In fact, in her is summed up and manifested the eternal wisdom and purpose of God. And God's eternal purpose was to bring forth a family. To make man in his image. And you are that word. You are the fruit that is being made manifest today. And the prophet of God will say, there is no fault in you. And if he doesn't find fault in you, don't worry about all these naysayers. Don't worry about all these other ones finding fault and your jump and your joy and your victory and, and everything of that and try to keep you suppressed and keep down and beat down. Notice what he says as I close and Brother Timothy would come. Let me just get there. Brother Bram says, In Christ the mystery of God revealed. We are his victory. You and all your failures, all your complexes, all your mishaps, all your mistakes, you are his victory. The church is his victory. We come forth in this last days with this glorious gospel showing his victory. He died for this purpose and we are the proof of his victory. What do you mean the proof of his victory? Because it's his life that's now manifesting through you. You young people, the world's enticing you with everything it can, throwing everything on the websites and billboards and everything else, everything to gratify this flesh, but your proof of his victory. Your proof that this word works. Your proof that the life that was deposited on the day of Pentecost is the very same life that's on display tonight. The same power, 
same word. He says, notice, he died for that purpose and we are the proof of his victory. When we see him coming down, living among the church, that's his victory. Shows that they couldn't keep him in the grave, neither can they keep us. That's right. We're bound right. We're already potentially erased because we raised from the dead, unbelief in the word, from denominational creeds to the eternal word of an eternal God, which is him. Himself working through us, manifesting himself that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, then the word moves on down into the body from the head. What is it? The same word. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. So the same word moves from the head as the day day comes to close, down into the body, down into the body, vindicating that they are one. What he is, you are to project. Same word, same power, same life, same signs. Flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, life of his life. She is him. And Brother Brown will say the biggest problem that I find with the church today is they fail to recognize who they are. I told you I was going to keep preaching you until you realize who you are. You are the vindication of his life. You are the victory His sole purpose for going to Calvary and going down to hell and raising again was so that you could be here today. So that you could be the evidence of his life. Would you bow your heads just for a minute? As we bring this to a close, maybe you've been struggling with questions. Maybe you've been struggling with who you are and maybe there's been a desire on the inside for something more. I want you to know I want you to know tonight there's more for you. There's a life that goes beyond mama's life, daddy's life, preacher's life, pastor's life. There's a life. Your home may be destroyed right now. Satan may have come in and try to divide the family, divide the home and bring in all kind of persecution. But I want you to know he can't touch the life. He can't touch the life that's in that seed. It's been beat down. It's been clubbed. It's been persecuted. The leaves have been ate off of it. Life has been stripped out of it. The fruit has been eat off of it. But there's a word I will restore. Because there's predestinated fruit in the root. And I'm looking at predestinated sons and daughters of God tonight. If you've got a need, just slip your hand up and say, God, i got a need. I want to be exactly what this word has called me to be. I want to be the very manifestation. I want to be the evidence of that original life. That you can take someone, maybe from a broken home, maybe who have been adopted and seems like I was, you know, wasn't loved and wasn't cared for. But God, you have washed over that seed and put it in the right home and the right family to come in contact with this word. If that's you tonight, just lift your hand before God and say, God, I need a touch from you tonight. God sees your hands. God sees your hand. But more importantly, God sees your heart. Father, you see every hand that was lifted tonight, Lord. Every heart, every need behind the heart, the hand that was lifted, Father. We just believe that your word is the same, Lord. Lord, we don't have to look at you as a God of history. That, Lord, you did something yesterday, but yet you're not able to do it today. 
Lord, you did many mighty miracles 2,000 years ago, Lord, when you were in your human form and you walked on those shores, Lord, and you healed blinded eyes and you raised from the dead and, God, you healed the cripples and you, Lord, you delivered the lepers. You've done so many marvelous and mighty works. And yet, Lord, 60 years ago, there was a mighty move of God that went through our country and around the world through a prophet ministry. And Lord, and you replicated the very same things that you've done in your own ministry. Lord, you repeated it in the ministry of a prophet. But God, you didn't intend for those things to die with the prophet. But God, you intended to produce more sons, more daughters of God that would take you at your word and have that same life living on the inside. So when we come face to face with the demon, and we have the authority through your word, Lord, to cast it out. Lord, that when we come and we lay hands on the sick, we have the authority through your word, Father, because we've seen it performed. We see how the life responded before, and we know how to act today. And I just ask today, God, every hand that was lifted, that you'd minister to the need. You will speak to their heart, Lord. You'll move on those that are here locally, those on the archive, Father, to stream. May you just have your way, Lord, in every heart and every life. May they not be ashamed of the moving of the Spirit. When the rain begins to fall, we have every reason to rejoice. However that is, Lord, whether it be tears of joy that stream off our faces, whether it be emotion that maybe overtakes us, God, and we get excited and jump. However, whenever, whoever, God, our desire is to let the life of Christ be made manifest. So we just commit this service to you now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Call me to be I'll say Oh! 